I'm Derek Thompson, the host of the podcast, Plain English. We tackle technology, politics, culture, history, everything that's happening in the world and why it matters. New episodes of Plain English drop every Tuesday and Friday on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a Monday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, JJ Johnson-Stremski, right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. And weird Sunday into Monday, not having football to react to, actually being productive around my apartment today because I wasn't sitting on the couch for 10, 11 straight hours. A little bit of a weird vibe as we kind of make that transition as a whole. But folks, I got a confession. I'm getting this out of the way, right out of the gate. I have always been one to mock those who sit around and watch NBA All-Star Weekend like all weekend. I'm like, well, what is wrong with you people? Can't you find something to do? Can't you take your, your girlfriend or your wife out on a date, give or take? I sat there all weekend in addition to the college hoops, and I watched every single one of these events. And I think it's because we did the gambling pod, Simmons, House, and myself, where I was financially invested in just about everything this weekend. And aside from the crummy dunk contest, which we will get to in a minute, it was a great weekend for the NBA. They should, number one, restructure how they do All-Star Saturday night where the dunk contest is no longer the headliner act. Sunday night, I mean, listen, say what you want about regular season NBA and guys not giving it their all and, you know, the idea of just way too much load management. The NBA blending... The new age and the OGs is what they do best. That ceremony at halftime was awesome. It was epic. From all the dudes that are there, you got Ray Allen getting the cold shoulder from Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, which I absolutely love. Michael Jordan comes from the Daytona 500. And listen, anytime Michael Jordan is there, the guy is larger in life. He's the GOAT. He is the legend. He is the tormentor of my childhood. But yet I find the guy... Charming. I really do. 
because he's a badass and he's the best to ever do it. So listen, that ceremony at halftime with the NBA 75 was great. Curry puts on a show. LeBron, game-winning shot in Ohio. Mm, didn't win the MVP. Of course, but no cigar, Mr. Simmons. But I enjoyed the All-Star game. I did. All things considered. And I like the way they end it now where you got to hit that target score. I think that's so much better than, you know, playing 12 minutes. Mix it up. Give it a little bit more pizzazz, if you will. Okay. Now I got to get to the dunk contest. All of the good things I said about All-Star Weekend, you could take the dunk contest and throw it in the absolute trash bin, garbage, dumpster, whatever you want to call it. It stunk. It was an absolute waste of my time. Good for Obi Toppin. Maybe we'll get him more minutes for Tom Thibodeau over the final six weeks of the year. Obi Toppin will go down in history as the winner of the worst slam dunk contest in the history of slam dunk contests. Between Cole Anthony putting the Tims on, trying to pay tribute to New York, wearing his Pops jersey, great. Can you hit the dunk for goodness sakes? And then how about Jalen Green? I mean, Jalen Green with the dopey NFT, look at me, look at me bullshit, then he can't even complete a dunk. I know he's trying to go for the gusto, but you can't take three hours to do it. All you need to know about the dunk contest is that Obi Toppin won, and basically, Obi Toppin, all he needed to do was just throw it home and don't screw it up on a final dunk. When that's the case, you got issues. You got problems. So I, I, I know you want to see star players in there. Guy like John Morant would certainly spice it up at least for a year. But all the great dunks, been there, done that. There was a time in my life the dunk contest was awesome. Now, I didn't go back to Spud Webb and Jordan and Dominique doing it in the 80s before my time. But I remember Kobe Bryant. I remember Vince Carter. I even remember Blake Griffin. There was some badass dunk contests. In many ways, the dunk contest has kind of jumped the shark. But Saturday was like eye-opening to how bad it was. A colossal, colossal waste of my time. So hats off to the NBA for a great weekend. The slam dunk contest, mm, we got to reevaluate a couple of different things. All right. Before we get to what I'm super stoked about for this particular episode, I'm running around, I'm doing a thousand different things, and I see the Juwan Howard video. Does Juwan Howard have a right to be ticked off to what Wisconsin was doing at the end of the game, calling timeout? Sure. Does it give you the right to basically go and start a brouhaha on a handshake line at the end of the game? No, Juwan Howard's got to be better than that. You're the leader of men. You're the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines. You got to be better than that. And I like Juwan. I had Juwan on one of my old shows back in the day. I thought it was a class act. People rave about him at Michigan. They rave about him throughout the NBA. But this is not the first time Juwan Howard has basically had to be restrained. Last year, when they were playing Maryland in the Big Ten tournament, I remember watching it saying, geez, Juwan, you got to calm down, dude. you got to calm down. You're not a player anymore. You're a coach. You're going to be held to a much different standard. Now, there are going to be folks out there who are going to call for Juwan Howard to be fired. I am not going to go to that extreme. I do think Juwan Howard's got to grow up a little bit. That's the bottom line. You, you can't act like that when you're a head coach. Period. End of discussion. You can't act like that. Big Ten is going to come down hard on Juwan Howard. I think he's done coaching for the remainder of this year. That, to me, is the penalty. Some of you folks are going to say, well, JJ, you're not being hard enough. He should be gone. Some of you are going to say that I'm being too hard on Juwan Howard. It is what it is. That's a bad look. I know this. If I'm the AD of Michigan or I'm the president of the Big Ten and I got one of my coaches 
basically trying to connect with an assistant coach for the other team. I don't care what transpired. I really don't. You, you, you can't act like that. You just can't. So not a good look for the Michigan Wolverines. And I bring this up because, listen, you're going to see it everywhere. If you haven't seen a video, it's going to be all over your timeline, your news feed, Monday television, you name it. So suspended for the rest of the year should be the punishment. Got to be better. Point blank, Juwan Howard's got to be better. Okay. Nick Mangold's going to join us. And Nick Mangold and Victor Cruz, who came on with me in Los Angeles, in many ways inspired something that I wanted to do on today's show. And I didn't want it to be all-time top 10 New York sports losses because been there, done that. We all know like 2004 for the Yankees, 4-5, as bad as it gets. Or 88, Mike Sosha for the Mets against the Dodgers. Or, you know, the Charles Smith game. Like these are iconic games. We all know that. Nick Mangle and Victor Cruz brought me back to like my early adulthood, like just getting started in the business. Like my first year of, of working here in New York was in 2011 when the Giants took on the Jets in that infamous Christmas Eve game. And I'm like, man, all right, from 2010 on, which is the year I graduated college, start of a new decade, we're basically looking at about 12 years now. Give me the top 10 New York sports losses. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, and 1 from 2010 on. After we chat with Nick Mangle, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you 10, 9, 8, 7, and 6. Then I'm going to let you guys marinate on it for a couple of days. And you'll find out how we're going to count it down. 5, 4, 3, 2, and 1. I thought about doing all 10 today. Had a little sit down. Got a little inspiration from the fellas. And I think we came to a very logical and a very sound solution for how we're going to do this. First half today, second half on Thursday, and I'm sure your voicemails will have a ton of reaction and a ton of sizzle when it comes to this. I'm fired up. I'm stoked. First, Nick Mangle, which you Jeff fans are going to enjoy. And I had his barbecue sauce the other night on some pork chops that I made. Fantastic. I'm turning into like uh, Chef Emeril. Guy Fieri, who I saw at NBA All-Star Weekend. Maybe that's going to be me with the way I'm dominating the kitchen recently. I'm on fire. Mangled into 10, 9, 8, 7, and 6. From 2010 on, the worst New York sports losses. Think about it. Nick Mangold, up next. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. I found this guy on Radio Row. I'm stoked he's here. He's got barbecue sauce that's got me all ready now to start grilling come summertime. The great Nick Mangle. What's up, buddy? How we doing? Uh, are you enjoying Los Angeles Super Bowl week? Um, well, I've only been here for about 24 hours. So I would say so far, yes. Uh, In-N-Out Burger was delicious. Um, and, you know, we're just continuing on and I'll be out of here tomorrow. Oh, so it's a quick hit for you. Oh, yeah. Quick hit. Uh, got the red eye back Friday. 
Uh, I got kids basketball games I got to go to Saturday. Now, morning. are you coaching or no? You just no. I'm just these I'm days. spectating. I don't know anything about basketball. You also um, don't want to deal with like little league parents too. That could be problematic. Actually, oh, no, who's going to mess with you? I was going to say issue. actually, I don't mind with the parents because no one ever really bothers me. So I was going to say if I was coaching a team, they'd mess with me. They're not going to mess with you. Yeah, I, I coach football, um, so that's fun for the kids. Um, but basketball, I just. I don't know. Maybe I'll dip my toe in the water. I, just, I know so little about it, and I can't do it. Um, I'm not good at it. Like it's 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 pretty ugly. I'm I actually embarrassed. I'm embarrassed by my skills in basketball. Really, you yeah. of all people just not don't good. have a handle. Don't have a finish. I, I don't. I don't have shooter's touch. I don't have. Um, I wouldn't want to box you out. I can't that dribble long, with my left hand. Um, it was just, the only thing I could do was rebound, and that was fine up until about seventh grade. Then like. What, Nick, why don't you go find something else to do? Well, you know what? What you found is pretty damn special because I think back now of that 2006 draft when you were a member of the New York Jets and you get selected. I'm watching that draft down in Disney World with a bunch of Jet fans. First round, all of them wanted Reggie Bush. All of them wanted Matt Leinart. And the Jets end up taking two badass offensive linemen that end up playing with the team for a decade. How cool is that that you and Shaw Ferguson come in in the same draft class, coming in the first round, and then have all the success that you do. Yeah, it was awesome. They, uh, you know, having the Senior Bowl uh, was the first time I got to meet Brick. Um, and, you know, we really hit it off then. And then I saw him again at the Combine that year um, and still had a good connection to it. So it was like, oh, that's neat. You know, like, this is a guy that I've never met before, played college football, um, and, you know, seems like a good guy. Um, I didn't even realize that we had drafted Brick until like later on that night or maybe even the next morning um, because I had missed the beginning of the draft. I was actually on the golf course. How'd you shoot that day, you remember? It wasn't that great. No, I think I was a little nervous. Um, not so you're that trying I, to like knock the nerves out basically on draft day. Go golf, have a few beers, relax, and take it from there. Just have a good old time. Um, and so my mom calls me. We were on like the 14th hole or so. I said, uh, did you know the draft starting? I was like, no, I thought it started at 1. She goes, no, it starts at uh, noon. I was like, oh, all right, well, we'll be there in four holes. So we finished out the holes and then came back. So I, I started watching, I think, like pick six or seven. So, so you I, didn't miss your pick. I didn't miss my pick, no. That's but I missed thing. his, so I had no idea. So they were like, oh, how great is it to be with Brick? I was like, I, is he on the team? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, they drafted him number four. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Is it pretty wild for you looking at all your former teammates and coaches and GMs? Rex in the media, Mr. T's in the media. Bart, no surprise there. He's no in the media. There. Sanchez in the media. Did you, when you were playing with those Jet teams, that had a lot of success. You mm-hmm. see a bunch of broadcasters in that future. I didn't see Rex, um, and I didn't really? see Tannenbaum. You didn't see Rex. No, because I figured Rex would just continue coaching. Like, I, so you didn't think he'd ever go behind a mic? I didn't think he'd go behind a mic, but I, I think he has so much fun with it now. I don't think he's ever going to leave behind the mic. Uh, Sanchez, you could always see. I mean, they usually give those jobs to quarterbacks, anyways, and he's pretty. So it works out well. Um, and Bart was just very loud. So you assume he would have one. Uh, Tannenbaum, I would never have thought. That was that was shocking to me. Um, but what's really cool is seeing uh, guys that I played with in now, like in coaching and everything. So like uh, Kevin O'Connell, allegedly getting the Minnesota job. He was a quarterback in 2009 team, I think. So I, I, no, no, I, I knew him when he first came in the league. Now, like, he's going to be a head coach. That's, like, full circle stuff That's right amazing. there, That's amazing. That's really, now, really cool. he won't text me back, but... Um, wow, somebody's ghosting Nick Mangold? Well, Come on, he may man. Have, he may have changed his number. 
so I'm not sure yet. I'll so you don't want to accuse him of ghosting? I don't like, want to accuse him of ghosting. And it is a very busy time for him. I guess he's trying to win a Super Bowl or something. Um, so I, I guess I'll give him a pass. All right, your teams that went to AFC title games, what was the better Jet team? The first year against the Colts, second year against the Steelers? Uh, the better team was definitely the second year. The first, 2009, um, we could run the ball, but Mark was a rookie and he struggled. Um, and so they, and it was just kind of a surprise. We all thought that we weren't well, even making it. Well, you remember Rex said, we're done, we're, we're done, out we're of the playoffs. playoffs. Yeah. And then the Colts, you played them the following week. They're undefeated. Then they take all the guys out at halftime. What were you guys thinking that game when you see like Peyton and, you know, Reggie Wayne, all those dudes that were going for a perfect year? They end up coming out. They end up getting benched. Were you like shocked? Uh, yeah, but I mean, at the same time, I don't think they got rid of uh, their, any. They took any defensive guys off. So it was like, wait a second. So you guys get to go against second streamers, and we're we're still over here banging against the first. It stinks. But then that second year, you guys beat the Patriots. You guys have this like iconic, epic win. You went up there Monday Night Football, got smoked. But to go and get revenge. Did you feel very confident going into that game, or was it like, all right, we got to get our feet wet, and as the game progressed, it's like, holy smokes, we might win this thing? No, we did. We saw that game, you know, where we got smoked uh, as an anomaly. We, it really wasn't us. We didn't play up to our level. Um, so we had a quiet confidence about us going up to, to New England, um, and it showed. I mean, the team played with, with great confidence, played really together. Um, and it was a lot of fun to be a part of. So that team, you guys go back-to-back -back AFC title games. Then you see the roster start to deteriorate. What happened with the Jets? Why did you guys not ascend, in your opinion, to maybe getting to a Super Bowl or winning a Super Bowl? Like, I had Victor Cruz on about an hour ago, and, you know, that Christmas Eve game goes 99 yards. In many ways, it kind of, like, changed the entire feel of both the Jets and the Giants. Was it not building around Mark? Is it losing certain veterans? A lot of people say, Losing Jericho Cotchery really hurt the team. Did you feel that way? Yeah, I mean, Jericho was definitely well-beloved in the locker room. Um, and, you know, you had to see how that went down. Um, and, yeah, I, I think our roster management didn't quite do as well as we should have. And um, as players, we didn't live up to that either. So it was, I think it was a combination um, where, you know, when you see some of the guys, you don't see it when you're in it. And I think that's kind of the crazy part of, of being in the NFL like, I didn't really notice it when I was in it, but when I look back at it and look at some of the rosters, like opening day rosters for uh, some of those teams, you're like, that's what we were putting out there? Like, that's that was our A team? Like, yeesh. Well, a 2013 team. I don't know how you guys won eight games. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and Rex, the coaching job he did with that team, and then you knocked my Dolphins out the last game. <laughs> Yo, I think Rex getting a Gatorade shower mm -hmm. afterwards. Wasn't happy about that one, bro. Yeah, it was fine. You, you know, you're, the you're six okay. borough can stay down there. So I want to hear about it. <laughs> um, you're a beast. To me, you're one of the best centers I've seen in 15, 20 years. You ever think about Nick Mango Hall of Fame in the same sentence? Because I would. You look good in that gold jacket, too. It would be nice, uh, but I have no control over it, so I don't really worry about it. Um, it's out of my hands. I, I tried to do everything uh, that I could playing um, to enjoy a, a fun, long career. Um, and so if it happens, it'll be absolutely the most amazing thing ever. Um, if it doesn't happen, I'm still pretty satisfied. Uh, with with how, what I did and, and how I finished. Who is the toughest guy you had to block in your career? Uh, it had to be Vince Wilfork. Um, he's, I mean, he's it, like two dudes. He's like two dudes. But then <laughs> we also played each other. I think we counted it out one time. I think we went against each other 23 times in our careers. Whoa. That's um, crazy. Because even when he went down to the Texans, um, we ended up playing the Texans that year. I was like, the one year that he's finally out of New England, I was like, and now we have to go to the Texans. I still have to face him. Can't escape this. you, bro. Can't escape. So. Tell me about the barbecue sauce. I can't wait to start growing with it. 
I'm looking at this right now. OG barbecue sauce, sweet with a little heat. With a little heat. Uh, so that's the original one. It's my barbecue sauce. I've been making it for like eight years now. Um, we actually uh, started um, this little endeavor March 23rd, 2020. Not the best time to start a barbecue sauce in the beginning of a pandemic. Uh, really tough to give out samples when you aren't allowed to be around anybody. I was going to say samples, right? We have masks. Yeah. Uh, can you eat it? Can, can you hand it out? Come can't do now. any of that. So um, we count that as our, like our cold opening. Uh, we have two sauces. We have the OG and the spicy. Um, I'm hoping to get two more out so that way I have one for each of my kids. Uh, so that's why I cannot say I have which one's my favorite because they're all correlated with my kids. And that you would can't me pick a, a favorite. That kid. would give me a trouble. Never go well. Um, and so it's a lot of fun. We, I've learned a ton about it. Um, you can find it online, maxwarehouse.com. They actually just started doing subscription service. Um, so that way you can set your intervals and just have barbecue sauce delivered to you whenever you want. Um, and it, it's been a lot. And a portion, portion of our proceeds go to Answer the Call, which uh, helps out families of fallen first responders in New York City. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. Listen, don't be a stranger. Keep kicking ass. And uh, new grill, barbecue sauce. What, what are we thinking? Chicken, ribs? What should I use it on first? Now, if you talk to my neighbor, he will put it on anything. So I like that. I, I, I appreciate that. Me, personally, I'm a pulled pork. I love it on pulled pork. Done. But it is also fantastic with your chicken tendies, um, your grilled chicken. Uh, I don't think I've tried it on a burger yet, but I assume it would be good. Uh, but it goes with everything. Nick Mangold, don't be a stranger. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Appreciate it. So Nick Mangold and Victor Cruz inspired a topic for the next week. And I'm going to have a ton of fun with this. And I know I'm going to rub some of you the wrong way. And there are going to be some games that are not included. Or there are going to be some games that are not high enough on your list. Or maybe they're too high on your list. That's your call, baby. I got my list. You can have your list and we kind of take it from there. I tried to represent every single team. So I will be honest with you. One, maybe two of these would not have been on my list. But remember, I only root for, you know, three of these particular teams. So I, I tried to spread the wealth the best I could. Like, I'll give you an example. You guys know I believe Yanks. I only put one Yankee game on here. It bothered me because I probably could have put about three. I said, you know what? I'm only going to put one Yankee on here. Trying to be as fair and balanced as I can. We're going to go from 10, count them down to six, and then when we come back later in the week, we'll give you the rest of these. So it's now time, folks. The moment you'd all been waiting for. The top 10 worst New York sports losses from 2010 on. We start with number 10. Number 10. So, I wanted to throw the Nets on here. I wanted to show you Net fans I actually think about you every now and again. I'm giving you Game 7 last year against the Milwaukee Bucks because it's a game Brooklyn easily could have won. If Kevin Durant's foot is not on the three-point line, Brooklyn walks it off. They go to the Eastern Conference finals. They probably beat the Atlanta Hawks and there's a very good chance they would have beat the Phoenix Suns and won an NBA title. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. Kevin Durant's foot is on the line. James Harden is hurt. Kyrie Irving is hurt. And the Nets end up losing to the Milwaukee Bucks. And if this Net team does not end up winning an NBA title, 
are we going to look back on last year's Eastern Conference semifinal in Game 7 and say, that was the moment and that was their best chance? Story is still unwritten for Brooklyn, but I want to give them a little love in the early going of the proceedings. Nets losing to the Bucks in Game 7 is at number 10. Number 9. Number 9, we're also sticking in 2021, the New York Islanders. The New York Islanders had the win of all wins in the last game of the Nassau Coliseum. They had a chance to get to the Stanley Cup Final in Tampa Bay. Winner, go home, game number seven, and they get shut out against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And when you look at the season that the Islanders have had now, you do have to wonder, will that be that particular group? Is that going to be their best chance? to go and win a title. So from an Islander standpoint, to have the year that you had, to have it come down to a game seven and have it snatched away from you and get shut out in the proceedings, brutal pillow swallow. Islanders losing to the Lightning. Cracks the list at number nine. Number eight. Oh, this game makes me sick thinking about it. 2013, I'm at my old radio station because we don't have the rights to Knickerbocker games, and I got to work during this game. So as I watch Iman Shumpert hit a bunch of threes, as I watch Carmelo Anthony will the Knicks in the first two and a half quarters, I'm dreaming of the possibility of a game seven at Madison Square Garden against the Indiana Pacers. That went right down the toilet the minute Roy Hibbert stuffed Carmelo Anthony. Because the momentum of that game drastically changed. Indiana ended up winning and pulling away in the fourth quarter. And the Knicks haven't gotten back to the second round of the playoffs since. That Carmelo Knicks tape 2012-2013 team was a one-trick pony. And the lasting image that I have of that particular group is Carmelo Anthony getting stuffed by Roy Hibbert. The Knicks getting eliminated. I got to do radio and rant and rave and be sick to my stomach about it. And the Knicks haven't come close since. Yeah, sounds about right. Roy Hibbert game. Knicks losing game six in Indiana is at number eight. Number seven. So at number seven, this is the first appearance for the New York Jets. I have Jets twice on this list. And I do believe there will be a game that's not on my list. That's going to bother a lot of Jet fans. But again, I, I, I can't throw three Jet games on this particular list. I got to spread the wealth. But the game I'm choosing here is their AFC title loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. They fall behind 24 to nothing. They clearly are hungover and flat from winning at New England the week prior. But the Jets came storming back in that game. And think about how many things went wrong for the Jets. The, 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 the fumble, the touchdown at the end of the half, uh, defensively not being ready to go. And then in the second half of that game, missed opportunities in the red zone. But yet, the magic that year of Mark Sanchez, Antonio Holmes, and the 2010 Jets, they were third down stop away, down less than a touchdown, with a chance to go for the gusto and a chance to go to the Super Bowl. They couldn't get a third down stop. Antonio Brown makes a big play. Rex Ryan throwing a temper tantrum on the sideline. And for a whole lot of Jeff fans, a lot of coulda, shoulda, wouldas, as they lose their second straight AFC title game. Now the Jets, 
are also going to make another appearance on this list. And the game that I put higher, for me, I think was a little bit more soul-crushing. Just the way it went down, the way it transpired, and the way it transpired the franchise after the fact. But checking in at number seven, Jets losing their second AFC title game in a row to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Number six. So at number six, this will be the first appearance for the New York Mets in this little countdown. It is game one of the 2015 World Series. Now, if you remember game one of the World Series, the Mets are coming off sweeping the Chicago Cubs. The Royals played a six-game series against the Toronto Blue Jays, and everything was set up perfectly for the Mets. They had a lead going into the ninth inning. They got a well-pitched game out of the artist formerly known as the Dark Knight, Matt Harvey. And that is when Mr. Familia decided to quick pitch Alex Gordon. And Alex Gordon takes Familia deep. The Royals tie the game in the bottom half of the ninth inning. And then you got to sit there and lose in excruciating fashion in game one of the World Series. And that's the common denominator for the Mets in their two World Series appearances in my lifetime. 2000, ninth inning lead, flushed down the toilet by Armando Benitez, the Paul O'Neill at bat, and the Yankees win game one and they win the series. Kansas City, similar deal. The quick pitch, the Gordon Homer, you lose in extra innings, you end up losing the series in five. This is not the only appearance for the New York Mets on this list. But at number six, it is the quick pitch. Familia, Gordon, and how a World Series right out of the gate completely shifted. So that's your list. 10 to 6, folks. I'm proud of it because I shared the wealth. I shared the wealth. That's, to me, something that I tried to do from, you know, a New York, New York type of deal. I wanted to get everybody involved as much as I could. Doesn't mean I'm going to make everybody happy, but I did try to take that a little bit into account. So the Nets lose game seven of the Bucks is number 10. The Isles losing game seven of the Lightning is number nine. This one, horrendous for me. The Knicks losing game six in Indiana, the Roy Hibbert block. Seven, I'm putting the Jets losing their second AFC title game. And then the Mets, game one, 2015 World Series, the quick pitch. So I have a feeling we're going to have a lot of voicemails that come in on these. 917-382-1151. And remember, I may not have your game in there. I may have your game too high on the list. I may have your game too low on the list. I tried to be as fair as I could to New York sports. I tried. I tried. And I'm probably going to piss a lot of you off in the process. But that's okay. That's why I sit here and I do what I do. Whether you like it, whether you don't like it, you're engaging. That's what I need. So. Get those voicemails my way at 917-382-1151. All right, we'll hear a bunch of them right after this. All right, Stefan, voicemail time. I feel like this is going to stir it up in some of the folks. Let's hear it. JJ, it's uh, Anthony in Syosset. Um, I see your tweet earlier about most heartbreaking loss. Um, and you preface with, you know, since 2010, which is important because if we go before 2010, as I'm sure you know, I could go back to 04, to 01, to 95, you know, even 2003. I mean, I could give you a bunch. But if we're doing it from 2010, you know, I, I disqualify the Knicks because the Knicks are always out of it anyway. Who cares? You know, there's two games that come to mind, and it's funny 
One is Giants, one is Yankees. One, in the immediacy of it, made me absolutely sick. But as time went on, I got over it. Whereas the other didn't bother me as much when it happened. But now as time is going on, it stings a lot more. So with the Giants, I think of the Deshaun Jackson, the Miracle in the Meadowlands, too. At, in the moment, it made me sick. It essentially gave the Eagles the division. They went on to the playoffs, cost the Giants a playoff berth. You know, the, the, the feel good of that Super Bowl in 07 kind of faded at that point and you didn't know what was going to come in the future, but they end up winning the Super Bowl next year and it's easier to get over it. But in the moment, it made me sick. Whereas game seven, 2017 ALCS against the Astros, I think if you ask any Yankee fan, they'll tell you, well, you know, we'll be back, right? We'll be back. And obviously here we are, you know, it's going to be five years now and there's a very good chance that you may never have a shot with this team with this window. So in the immediacy, it's 2010 Giants, Eagles, Deshaun Jackson. But in terms of, you know, the aftermath and the further you get from the game, I really think of the what ifs with that 2017 Yankees Astros series. And I'll pin it on game seven. Disco J. You know, Anthony, it's interesting. When I think about Yankee Astro losses, there is a game that's going to be on my list, and it's not from 2017. That's the only hint I'm going to give you. It's not from 2017. And I think the reason for that is when the Yankees went back to Houston, they didn't score any runs. Game seven, I think Greg Bird got thrown out the plate. They mustered up absolutely no offense. CC was on his last legs pitching in game seven on short rest. It did not go well. That was one of those games you kind of knew from like the fourth inning on. It's not meant to be, but you nailed it. I thought after losing game six and game seven, the Yankees going to be back next year, the following year, the year after that with this team, with this core, with the way they exceeded expectations, are they going to be back? Not to be. And I think as far as comparing those two games, the Deshaun Jackson game is far more soul-crushing. Just the way it went down. You know, the Yankees were overachievers. They were up 3-2. They didn't hit in Houston. They're a young team. At the time, it's very easy to kind of look past it. Deshaun Jackson, I mean, it's Giants-Eagles. It's basically for the NFC East. The Giants had a gigantic lead in that game. Yucked it up. And then they're dumb enough to punt to Deshaun Jackson. I'll never forget watching that game. The old dugout on Jewett Avenue in Staten Island, New York, with the great Mike Mino and South Preston Giacomo. The stunned look on Giant fans leaving that bar will, will stay with me for the rest of my life. You'll later, though, they do end up winning a Super Bowl. So, interesting. Very, very interesting, Sayasa. All right, who's next? Hey, JJ. So, Charlie from Elmhurst. So, I re-recorded this to deliver my, uh, what I think what should be the top 10 New York sports losses since worst New York sports losses since 2010. I don't know hockey, so uh, it's up to you, to your discretion. I don't know about basketball because it's stinking all, the, all these years. But definitely on one each on the Jets and the Giants, the Jets are definitely 2015, that week 17 at Buffalo. Basically win with, went away from a playoffs. And because they lost that game, they missed the playoffs. And Jets have made the playoffs since 2010, something like that. And obviously the Giants, the boat trip game, and Green Bay, that playoff game. Since then, the Giants are the most losses 
in football and was head coaches, dysfunction, hopefully gets into it. Hopefully gets right from this point. The Mets, maybe 2015 Game 5 World Series or the 2016 wildcard game. And definitely on the Yankees, there are a few, few, few things on my mind. You could say the LCS 2012, Jeter hurt, break his ankle. Or maybe the 2017, I should say, the Game 7 LCS. I'm not talking about the game, how it ended, but since that point, the Yankees have not been back or come close to that when Girardi took into the Game 7 of the American League Championship Series. And what? Clueless boom, underachieved. And another loss that I might, probably the worst loss in recent Yankee memory is that 2019, after LeMahieu hit the home run tied the game in game six of the ALCS game weapon. One on only for Jose Altuve walks it off. And then the Yankees have never been, what, what, a heartbreaking loss. Well, almost losing like 20, 2001 game seven of the World Series equivalent feeling. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to you listening to your uh, list. So, top 10 worst or best for New York sports losses since 2010. So, uh, let's go, JJ. Let's go. Charlie, you brought up a game that is not on my list. And I was at it. And it was brutal. And it was the most, like, somber I think I've ever been leaving the ballpark. And that was the Jeter game where he fractured his ankle. I didn't include it because I had about three or four other Yankee playoff losses I was thinking of before I was even going to get to that game. But that game I remember vividly because the Yankees were down. Pettit pitched a great game. They didn't score any runs. Bullpen gave up a couple of runs. They were down like four runs in the ninth inning. I did Rutgers-Syracuse in the afternoon, and it was at Yankee Stadium till like 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night beyond that. They come back and tied in the ninth inning on a Raul Abanez homer. And if you remember in that game, goes to extra innings, neither team can score. Nick Swisher misplayed a ball in the outfield that would have been the final out of the inning. Misjudged the ball. Tigers took the lead. Two, three plays later, Derek Jeter fractured his ankle. And everybody knew it because Jeter was the toughest SLB on the planet. And for him not to be able to get up in that game, you knew, yeah, the Yankees are cooked. They have absolutely no shot of winning that series. The Yankees were kind of limping in 2012 anyway. That's an honorable mention. That is a great honorable mention. I didn't think of the giant boat game because there's a giant game that I'm going to put on the list that I think is just a far worse loss. But that game, they dropped a ton of passes in the first half. Eli hung in with Aaron Rodgers until Aaron Rodgers threw a Hail Mary and kind of won up the Giants for the Hail Mary they had in the 2011 divisional round game. That was like Aaron Rodgers' revenge. But the boat game, didn't think of that one. So good call, Charlie. Good call. Who's next? What up, JJ? Ian from Naugatuck here. Uh, top 10 sports losses for New York in the 2010. I'd have to say the Jets 2015, Week 17 against the Bills. Now I am uh, 18, so I remember this game very well. I think I was I was 12 at the time. This is the only time in my life I've ever seen the Jets relevant in any way, and they blew it. I think Brian Fitzpatrick threw like three interceptions, 
to in the fourth quarter, very late in the fourth quarter. And yeah, the loss has only gotten worse with time since the Jets have not approached anywhere close to a playoff run since then. All right. The 2015 disaster is getting a lot of love on the voicemail line. We may have to have Benigo on this because Benigo was like all-time insane after this particular game. I remember it like it was yesterday. I mean, he I, I got on the phone with him the next day, and he was just like beside himself. Between Sammy Watkins torching Darrell Rivas, not running the football, not giving it to Ivory, Fitzpatrick turning into a pumpkin. I mean, it was... Rex having the last laugh at the New York Jets. A lot of Jet fans want this on the list. You're going to have to find out if it made the list. Come our next show. But it seems like a lot of Jet fans weighing in on this want that 2015 regular season finale against the Buffalo Bills included. Fascinating. All right, who's next? What's up, JJ? Uh, it's Jake from Nargatuck. Um, I think the worst 2010s loss New York team was the New York Rangers uh, double overtime loss to the LA Kings in the Stanley Cup Finals because a former Ranger, Marion Gabrick, scored the tying goal and Henrik Lundqvist, who made 48 saves in that game, uh, got the closest to winning a Stanley Cup but did not get there and uh, ended his career without a cup. So yeah, thank you. It's an excellent, excellent game to bring up and I can tell you this, there will be a Ranger game featured in our top five. There will be one. I had a hard time choosing between the two. I had a really, really hard time choosing between the two. And I can tell you this, one of the games you mentioned was the nominee. Is it the winning nominee? Think about the Ranger history with Lundquist. Think about some of their losses in the postseason. Chew on it. Think about it. One of them will be in the top five. It's a little hint. It's a little hint. All right. Last but not least, let's hear it, baby. JJ, it's Phil from Bedford. Um, calling about the uh, worst losses over the last 10 years or 10 worst losses in, in New York sports since 2010. I'm a Mets and Jets fan, so there is a lot of misery to choose from. Um, these are two of the worst, uh, most painful organizations in all sports. For the Mets, I mean, I, I could literally come up with 20 different Edwin Diaz blown saves off the top of my head. The ones that I, I remember uh, offhand, though, uh, there's the one against where he gave up a walk-off to Gene Segura in Philadelphia where uh, Francesca was actually, like, broadcasting that live and was shocked at, at how inept Diaz was. And then the second Diaz one that, that sticks with me uh, was against the Yankees in the shortened uh, season where the Mets were in control the whole game. I think they were up to something like six runs heading into the ninth inning, and he gives up a walk-off Grand Slams, Aaron Hicks. Uh, those are the Diaz saves. But in terms of Mets losses, uh, the, the one, I mean, you could choose any of, or three of the four losses from the Royals World Series. The one that sticks out to me is game one, uh, the quick pitch uh, by Familia Gordon. It was just so stunning that Familia blew that game. He had been so lights out that entire postseason. And you just knew that the World Series was doomed after that. It was very eerily uh, similar to when Benitez blew game one against the Yankees in 2000. You just knew that that was the uh, the Mets' chances of winning that World Series going by the wayside. Uh, so those are the Mets ones that stick out. For the Jets, it just has to be the loss uh, against Buffalo in 2015 and Week 17. Uh, Fitzpatrick goes into Buffalo, 
shits the bed, throws a couple back-breaking interceptions late in that game. Rex gets to celebrate in our faces. And the Jets haven't sniffed the playoffs since. Uh, so those are the ones um, for the Mets and Jets. Uh, for the Rangers, I think you just got to look at those uh, overtime losses in the, in the Stanley Cup against the, against the Kings. They so easily could have won that cup. That series was so much close in the five-game series. I guess game five against, uh, against the Kings, losing the cup in overtime, um, the finality of it uh, is probably the one that sticks out the worst. But anyway, lots, of, lots to choose from since New York uh, is loserville these days. Uh, anyway, take care. We do have a lot to choose from, and they should basically be a separate category for Edwin Diaz meltdowns in the regular season. I vividly remember that one against the Phillies because I was doing a show at the time at SNY called The Thread, and I was monitoring what Mike's meltdown was the minute the walk-off homer happened because he was just, like, losing his mind, and our buddy Funhouse is, like, tweeting out the clips left and right. So I do remember that one. It was the national game. Don't forget about that at the end of the 2019 season which was hard to comprehend. So Diaz has given you his fair share of meltdowns over the years. But I didn't include any regular season games on this list. Actually, that's not true. There is one regular season game on this list. There is one. From a Mets standpoint, none of them made the cut. The 2016 wildcard game, which lost in the ninth inning. Gillespie hitting a home run, didn't make the cut. There's a lot to choose from, folks. There's a lot to choose from. And if you're trying to get as many teams involved as I did, Devils did not make the list. But everybody else made the list. Nets got a game. Islanders got a game. Jets might have a couple. Mets might have a couple. I only threw one Yankee game in there, for goodness sakes. I really tried to diversify as much as humanly possible. So... There's going to be some omissions that you guys may not like. And I have a feeling about one of them right out of the gate. Actually, I have a feeling about two of them right out of the gate. So we gave you six through 10, five, four, three, two, and one on Thursday. So buckle up. See, the wins, I, I don't know if they're going to be more fun than the losses. There's not that many to choose from with the wins. See, that's the difference. The losses, I feel like. Uh, you could go up and down a list. You can get about three or four from each team without blinking an eye. The wins? Ooh. Ooh. Tough. Very, very tough. All right. Before we say goodbye, Jeff Bunny, I had a solid Saturday at college basketball. Thank heavens for the Oregon Ducks. It's a good card all week. What do we got for Monday? Of JJ, Jeff Bunny here with a handicap of picture to be for tomorrow, Monday the 21st. I got one college basketball game. I'm going to go with your team. I'm going to go with Syracuse. Minus the eight is the opening line against Georgia Tech. Again, I'm going to go with Syracuse. Minus the eight. And everyone can always follow my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Jeff Money, I always love when you ride with the orange and ride with the family. And I, too, like Syracuse. They're a nine-point favorite. Georgia Tech's coming off a win. I think Syracuse is about to go on a little bit of a run where they kind of sucker me back in somewhat, even though they need a miracle to make the NCAA tournament. I think they win by double digits against the Yellow Jackets. The other game I like in college basketball tomorrow, and circle this one, I like Louisville to cover 10 against Carolina. They play an overtime game, questionable finish, officiating got involved. Carolina's coming off a huge road win. 
I think Louisville will be into that game. I'm not saying they're going to win, but I do not think Louisville is going to like just go roll over and die. So I'm getting 10 points. Done. Give me Louisville, and I'll ride with your Syracuse bet. You're riding with the boys. How do I not hop on board? Of course I'm hopping on board. All right. Programming reminder. Tuesday. No New York, New York. I'm going to be on Ringer Gambling. I'm going to be with our guy, Joe House. We're going to hit all the NBA futures for the second half of the year. What you're looking at come playoff time. Might mix in some golf and some college basketball. That's going to be on Tuesday. Thursday, 5, 4, 3, 2, and 1. Worst New York sports losses. And remember, if something happens that's gigantic, we got you covered. We'll have a green room up. We'll post a pod. Don't worry. But until baseball season gets going, and go luck how those talks are going to go this week, two New York pods, two gambling pods. Because listen, right now, what I'm most psyched for is less than a month away. I think it's three weeks away. The NCAA tournament. And I'm working on a couple of the coaches. I know you guys want your local coaches on. We're working on it. We're working on it. I can't promise you who's on and who's not because some of them are more cooperative than others. I'll say it. They won't. I'll say it. Some of them got to do a better job and represent their program, but we're working on a few that I like. I can promise you that. Stefan, fabulous job. Remember, gambling feed on Tuesday. New York, New York. Five, four, three, two, and one. Worst New York sports losses since 2010. Chew on that. JJ out. See you good, everybody.